0: Now, Uncommon Sense with Leland Conway on 630 KHOW, Denver's talk station. now, brother, cuz you got a lot of time. when it all goes on Colorado now one of the top 10 highest highest priced places to rent a home or an apartment. And there's a really good reason for that. We're going to talk about that in the second hour. The Supreme Court has left the Texas abortion law in place, but there's a twist to this story. We'll get to that as well. 630 K. How Denver's talk station. I am Leland Conway. Angie alongside Angie. There are messages to you in the text box. Five, seven, seven, three, nine, five, seven, seven, three, nine.
1: Oh, I got to I got to pull that up still.
0: Yeah. uh, Sarah says you weren't telling the truth yesterday.
1: About she said that
0: she said the pink pony was there, that none of the ponies are pink, that you guys kidnapped. You and Michael Brown, the diabolical you and the notorious Michael Brown. Sparkles is purple and Posey is yellow and Spike the dragon is green.
1: Oh, I guess it, it has pink stuff on it. Let me pull it up.
0: Okay, well, she says, I know this because Ryan has posted pictures of them. So she says, just return them, Angie, unless the real reason is you really want them for yourself. I posted photos of them yesterday. <laughs> just saying. All I know is you apparently have access to these things and we don't. And that 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 there indicates guilt. So just, you know, let's bring this to a conclusion or else. That's all I'm saying. First all off. Right. Yes. If
1: you're in a public space and you leave stuff, you can't expect other people to take it.
0: That hold, free, hold on free on a game. No, no. Public space. A studio is not a public space. Public
1: ish. It's like using public, public computers.
0: Oh my god! Not public computers. Public shared ish. computers.
1: Shared. It's not public. Uh. I guess it's not public. It's
0: okay. shared. Well, you're gonna be. You'll be hearing from the prosecutor pretty soon. Uh, what's this that about the uh, pecan pie? At oh, the studio. Th- no, Apparently, who's cutting a pie into thirds as a serving for when you bring a pie for the whole office? I don't get people. that. <laughs> that's my guess. And you got to bring like twenty pies if you're going to cut the pl- cut it into thirds. Did you get a piece? I, I didn't did. get a piece. There's like two other pies out there. Well, I'm not fond of pecan pie either. Oh, so yeah. it's like pumpkin pie. It's really when somebody brings a banana cream pie, let me know, okay? I will let you know. Yeah, let me know because that's the best. All right, uh, Texas law stays in place. This this uh, the Supreme Court did not issue a temporary injunction suspending Texas's abortion law. I am pro life. I hate this law. This law has a precedent behind it that is very dangerous. And in fact, the state of Illinois has already modeled legislation after it going after gun owners and gun manufacturers. This law basically allows for anyone to have standing to sue someone who gets an abortion or is involved in, or excuse me, someone who helps someone get an abortion. So it could be anything. It could be like somebody giving somebody a ride to the abortion clinic. And it allows anyone on the street who sees this happen to sue that person that is helping the person for $10,000. And that basically it sets up a situation where you would have total vigilante justice. And it has a precedent behind it that would just be absolutely awful because there's a number of other things. I can see laws like this popping up in blue states uh, about climate change. Next thing you know, you get sued because you're driving a Ford F three hundred and fifty, and that somehow damages the climate. It, it, you it, gun issue is a big one, and one particular uh, litigator who we have had on the show before, Eric Jaffe of Share Jaffe, he is a appellate litigator in D.C. Uh, he is a former law clerk to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, and he filed, um, or he is he, he's filed an amicus brief, basically saying that. He wants this bill overturned on behalf of a firearms group because, like I said, it's a terrible law, regardless of how you feel about abortion. And I am pro-life. It is a terrible law. It is done all wrong. It's an abdication of responsibility. Eric's back with us because I wanted to kind of boil down what the Supreme Court's decision means today. And I thought the better person to do that would actually be someone who is in the courts all the time. Eric, thanks for coming back on the show. We appreciate it. How are you?
1: You're very welcome, and I'm, I'm doing fine. Thank you.
0: Um, okay, so it, did, I, did I get that right? You filed an amicus brief, if I remember correctly, that was Correct. basically saying, hey, um, this gun organization is, like, warning that this is a problem, this is a bad bill. Uh, it really needs to be overturned because it sets a bad precedent. So,
1: Exactly, the, right. On behalf of a group called the Firearms Policy Coalition, and it basically makes the simple point, if you can do this to them, you can do this to us.
0: Right. So, and to anyone, I mean, uh, the climate change Everyone. pops into mind, you know, firearms pops into mind, any number of things that others, heck, we could see, so, lo, we could see similar laws about masks and vaccines, you know? Of course, we give it, that it, example. Yeah. It, ge- it opens up an, an, an incredible door. Now, the decision today isn't the end of the discussion about this, correct? It looked like to me, and tell me if I'm wrong, when I read through some of the notes and a couple of the comments by some of the justices. Basically, the Supreme Court is reticent to interdict what has happened in Texas and tell Texas what it can and can't do until it has a case that comes before it that has been appealed through the whole system. That hasn't happened yet, and so they're going to wait and not get involved in the Texas law until probably this will come back before them. Do do I understand that correctly?
1: That is mostly true. So they left open one tiny path of challenge in the federal courts against a couple of licensing officials who deal with licensing abortion clinics. That path is a very minor path at best. It is an easily closed path. So I don't see it having any meaningful impact on anything. Uh, And then other than that, you're exactly right. They have basically said the way to challenge this law is to raise your constitutional arguments as a defense to any lawsuit brought against you as an abortion clinic or as an aider and a or whatever it is.
0: So wasn't the problem, though, that the legislation in Texas was written such that that you couldn't challenge it like it was really convoluted how it was put together. I mean, it was yes. totally it was it was an abdication of responsibility by the Texas state legislature in order to get something that they wanted that they I guess assumed a lot of their constituents wanted, but it was a terrible way of going about it. But wasn't it written so that you actually couldn't challenge it somehow? Like you couldn't sue the state. So, you had to
1: Correct. So it was written in a way that made it as difficult as possible. To challenge both the underlying substance of the law, the abortion ban, and the procedures of that law, which fully apart, you take the word abortion out and substitute in, you know, right X. Right. And everything else about the law is, is still a massive due process violation. Yeah. Uh, it, it tilts the playing field so badly between litigants that no one would possibly imagine that a lawsuit under those rules are fair. And now, of course, one can challenge the, the, the procedural rules also when you right. get to Texas state court. But you know, you have to be a little worried that is a Texas state court going to basically say, oh, "I'm sorry, I'm not going to follow the procedures that my state legislature has told me to follow because right. I think the whole shebang is uh, is unconstitutional." That's a that's a, a brave and bold judge, though. I, though, admittedly, at least one judge has done very much that uh, in in a, in a local Texas case uh, called Van Steen. Just... I think that's- so I, I want people to understand how
0: big this is. Um, you mentioned insert rights. I, this is very. First of all, we already have the state of Illinois crafting legislation that is patterned after this that will go after gun manufacturers. Let's say California decides that everybody has to be woke, and they put in there the exact. They just craft the same look, le, le, the same legislation, but they replace it with uh, expressions of the First Amendment, so that now. Uh, An individual who says something that offends another individual can now be sued by that individual simply for being offended. Not because they were libeled or because they were um, slandered, but rather because they were offended. And that person would then have to defend that case and pay to defend that case. So that now your free speech essentially becomes paid speech. You have to pay... For your speech, because you're going to have to fight your right in the courts every time somebody hears you say something or sees you write something or you put up a post that's offensive to any number of people. I, I, I this is this is an enormously bad precedent. It is an enormous. I, it's it's hard for me to believe that any thinking, logical human being could concoct this legislation and not know what the fa- what the fallout and ramifications
1: could be. Well, I mean, I, I suspect. The the fallout and the ramifications were exactly what they intended to happen in Texas, right? They intended to scare everyone off so that they wouldn't do what they didn't want them to do. And as to whether or not Texas cares, whether someplace like California stomps on First Amendment rights, uh, I think the answer to that is pretty clear. Texas couldn't care less if California stomps on other rights that they happen to like. Uh, In some ways, uh, they'd be happy to have California react just as badly as they did so that Texas gets to point of the finger and say, see, <laughs> they're doing it too. So doesn't so, you know, from the perspective of the Texas legislature, it makes lots of sense that they decided to toss the Constitution overboard because those other states don't matter.
0: Do you feel like I mean, was the what you, what what's your reaction to the Supreme Court's decision? I mean, do you do you think they should have gone farther and just overturned the law without having someone come because basically what has to happen here is somebody in texas has to actually lose a case pay out the ten thousand dollars then uh, tr- or try to appeal that case at whatever cost that is you know hiring lawyers to defend them and then go to the appellate court and then go up to the circuit court and then go back to the supreme court and pay their lawyer the whole way that that's yep. the only way that this can come back to the supreme court as i understand it is that correct Pretty much.
1: um, Yeah, with uh, some tiny exceptions, but pretty much. Um, So uh, my answer to your your initial question is no, I don't think the Supreme Court in this case should have struck down the law because that's not what they were asked to do. The only thing they were asked is whether or not this lawsuit can go forward in federal court, meaning the the trial court, the (laughs) district court. Uh, And that was the only question they were really asking in the whole women's health case and answering they weren't asked to rule on the substance or the constitutionality of sb only about the procedures for how one goes about challenging it in the first place.
0: Okay. And in ruling the way they did, they basically they said they left a little door open challenge. that it can be challenged,
1: correct? On some small grounds against a couple of people who play a tiny tiny role in the whole scheme, but not okay. against most people who play a bigger role. Uh, They've basically said those challenges have to happen in state courts or maybe somewhere out there there's some other path to getting a federal court challenge. We don't know. We're not going to tell you what those paths might or might not be, but who knows? We're not saying it's impossible. We're just saying we haven't seen it yet.
0: Are you surprised that because I don't hear a lot of negative. I don't. I don't really hear anybody. You, you, the point that you've taken. We're talking with litigator Eric Jaffe. What you've done on behalf of this gun group is, it's the right thing to do. And I don't hear a lot of other conservatives. I'm not calling you conservative. I don't know what your politics are, and it's none of anyone's business. I'm a but-
1: libertarian.
0: Okay, so I'm so totally you're you you and me are I guess two peas in a pod in that sense. I mean, I'm not a libertarian as in a party member. I'm an independent libertarian leaning. Yeah. But are you surprised that those on the right haven't come more to, you know, I mean, the only way really I guess to get Texas to overturn this on the on their own is for people to be like, hey, you guys did this wrong. You screwed it up. Redo it. But nobody seems on the right. Nobody seems that concerned about this. That that. That's the pattern that disturbs me the most. It's as if people can't quite see how bad this could be for everybody involved
1: yeah i'm I'm not surprised, but I am disappointed. Uh, yeah. I guess would be my response is that look once upon a time groups on the left and the right, groups that cared about things like constitutional law would would defend the things that they hated. Because there was a bigger principle at stake. Think the right. ACLU and the March on Skokie and, and the Klan marches and all those things, where nobody imagined the ACLU liked the Nazis or liked right. the Klan, but they liked free speech. Right. Here, uh, I'm just a little disappointed that more conservative groups haven't stepped up to the plate and sort of said, you know, we, we may or may not like abortion or we hate abortion, whatever they want to say, but this is the wrong way to go about it. Well, I'm a not little to get... disappointed.
0: Yeah, I mean, not to get too political, but honestly, I think this is an example of the the disease of populism that's infected the conservative right. Um, it, it, you know, that the populism being on the right, populism among the right, is we are against abortion, right? And, and I would consider myself to be pro-life. But there are principles at play that one, if one values freedom above all else, which I do, and I thought that people on the right were supposedly supposed to do. Then you put those principles first and then you work within those principles to achieve whatever that goal is. This literally throws those principles out the window. And that to me is populism, right? Or right winged populism. It's the idea on the right that the only thing that matters to us are these X, Y, Z social issues that must be dealt with at all cost. Um and 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 then you just throw your principles out the window that you supposedly believe in and i guess we'll all get together and complain when they come after guns and free speech not realizing that the path was set with this other thing that a a lot of people on the right supported
1: you know look I, i agree with you that this is sort of the the at least momentary triumph of populism over constitutional principle and just principle in general um and you know, I hear a lot of this. I hear a lot of these discussions and I think the general attitude is, look, we're fighting with one hand tied behind our back when our opponents don't believe any of this, and so it's left wing populism is happy right. to toss things overboard. And so there's a certain frustration with being principled means you don't get to use the same tools and weapons that your opponent gets to use. But yeah. but I guess the thing that I always liked about libertarians and conservatives was that, you know, the answer is, I don't want to be like my opponent. And if I'm right. like my opponent, then I've lost. Right. If, if my opponent makes me like them, then I've lost. So I don't yeah. really, I'm not compelled by the argument of they did it first. Yeah. it right. so, never seems like a good answer. Do you have any hope
0: that this will eventually make its way back and then get overturned, or maybe even get get hit by some of the lower courts, hopefully?
1: I do have some hope of that. So uh, like I said, there was a recent Texas state court decision uh, where the judge sort of, he's not dealing with the abortion aspects of the law, but he is dealing with some of the procedural aspects of the law. Uh, It's called Van Steen versus Texas Right to Life, and it came out I think a day or two ago, Uh, I think yesterday actually. Um, and, And so he points out that some of these procedures violate due process, and I think those kinds of challenges have some prospects in the Texas courts. Uh, yeah. We'll see what happens on appeal, of course, whether this survives, and then we'll see how long it takes. The real trouble is that between those cases winding their way up to the Supreme Court uh, and getting decided, there's going to be a lot of this law being applied in, in the meantime. It just yeah. takes a long time. And so if you're chilling people, if you're scaring people off, if you're threatening people, well, nobody's going to step out their front door uh, and violate the law uh, if there's still a lingering massive threat. To them. Yeah. And so it could be years, I guess. Yeah. No doubt. Them. All right. Well,
0: listen, I appreciate you being willing on short notice. I know I only called you a little while ago and you're willing to come on and talk about this, um, but Happy I appreciate you being. Yeah. Chance. Well, and, and glad that you're fighting on this, and hopefully we'll chat again sometime, and maybe the next time it'll be because there was a victory in place um, so we can keep moving the ball forward. But I appreciate it uh, that th- you so coming fun. on today. Well, maybe
1: the next time we'll be challenging the Illinois law and yeah. whatever gets passed. Well, that
0: That's going to have to happen, I'm sure. So, all right, thank you so much, Eric Jaffe, Appellate. Uh, by the way, before I let you go, real quick, I only have like 30 seconds here, but that's – oh, well, never mind, I have to go. I'm being told i got to run. So, all right, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I was going to ask him, Angie, about being a clerk for Clarence Thomas. I should have done that. How cool would that be, to be a clerk for Clarence Thomas? Fascinating. All right, we'll talk about more, more about this when we continue. Plus, the worst Christmas songs of all time. They're going to be our bumper music today. So get ready. You're going to hate these songs. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club.
0: Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No process by law. 18+ terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This might be one of the worst. I'm just saying. Now you gotta let it play for a minute. We gotta we gotta burn it into people's ears while they're driving home. <laughs> How is here tonight? <laughs> uh, Paul McCartney. I mean he's a great artist. Just not this song. All right, six thirty K. How Denver's talk station? I am Leland Conway. Worst Christmas song ever. Text the show directly five seven seven three nine five seven seven three nine. What's that Christmas song? When you hear it, you cringe. You turn the radio station. You yell at people to turn it off. What's that one Christmas song that just gets under your skin? Five seven seven three nine five seven seven three nine. Did you did you uh, did you think of one, Angie? Mariah Carey is. I mean, the, I can't. Uh, all I, or what was it, uh, All, All I, want I for won't. Christmas Is You? Yeah. Do you know how much money she makes every December just from that song?
1: Something ridiculous?
0: Yeah, it's like between 600000 and $500,000 every December. Just in December. Every December. Just from the royalties from that song. So she
1: gets paid so much to annoy people?
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: that is yes. amazing. Yes.
0: Yes. That song is like every single Christmas Hallmark movie, it's in that song. Like, like every single Hallmark Christmas movie, I don't. I, my wife loves those things. And she made me get the uh, – because we don't have cable anymore. We unplugged. But now we're spending as much on the various different streaming services that we did when you combine it all that we did on cable. But that's a story for another day. But she like was like, we have to get the Hallmark Channel just for the Christmas season. I'm like, oh, jeez. So here I am watching Princess for Christmas. And the, all the movies have the exact same plot, right? Okay, so somebody breaks down in a town they weren't intending to be in on their way somewhere before Christmas, a few weeks or a few days before Christmas, they break down. Somebody helps them. They go to the end Then they meet the they're, they're like a corporate executive. They're on the way to close down the factory in the town that keeps the town alive. And then they meet the owner of the factory's daughter and they kind of fall in love. And they're just about to kiss when they get interrupted in the middle of that kiss. So the kiss doesn't actually happen. And then they hate each other because they find out who each other really is. And then at the end, you find out that the owner of the factory is actually Santa Claus and everybody's happy. That's the plot to every single movie. And that song is in every single one of those Christmas movies. Just saying. Or it's a princess. Like it's either that or it's like some kind of princess. Somebody becomes a princess. Or somebody is a prince and you didn't know they were a prince. And it turns out to be the perfect Christmas at some prince, some princess palace in some other exotic European country we've never heard of. Probably a made up name. Every hallmark. Every season. So, all right, we'll try to find some of the uh, worst Christmas songs for you today. I, I hate that one from Paul McCartney. Uh, I hate Christmas Shoes. I don't know if you were able to find that one or not. It's a little harder. They used to play it all the time, but now they don't play it very much anymore. The Dan Fogelberg, "Old Lang Syne song. Did you find that one? Oh, God, that's awful. Like, I don't even know how that became a Christmas song. Somebody heard "Old Lang Syne. They're like, oh, that sounds like the right season. So we'll just throw that in there. Five, seven, seven, three, nine, five, seven, seven, three, nine. (laughs) Last Christmas, Leland, last Christmas. Oh, please. God knows says Jim Bob. Wait a minute. Mrs. C says the song sung by the Smurfs. Are you familiar with this one, Angie? The song, the intro. I don't know. The song sung by the Smurfs. That's not it. Well, the intro to the Smurfs is not a Christmas. Is there a Christmas song sung by the hold on? I'm gonna pull up the Google machine. Let's see, Smurfs. Where they sing "La la 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 la." Yeah, but that's not a Christmas song. Yeah, but that's the only one I know. Christmas, the Smurfs, a Christmas Carol, was an actual, actual TV special, 2011. So maybe they did a Christmas song in that. I don't know. Uh Let's see. John says. John says that uh, the Paul McCartney song is one of the best, and he's not even BSing. Really? And then I nobody, this person did not sign their name, but they just said all of them. So bah humbug on you, somebody that hates Christmas, I guess. All of them? Tell me when there's a really good Christmas song playing, you walk into a store or mall or coffee shop, it doesn't make you feel a little good about the season. Really? Are you that guy? Anyway, 57739, text the show directly, 57739. Start off with Leland, so it goes in the right box the NSA cannot spy on. Um, Fox News also reported on the Supreme court ruling on abortion today. Let me just play a little bit of their report for you, because we just talked to litigator... um, Eric Jaffe, who had filed an amicus brief against the Texas abortion law. Back to
1: the breaking news, Dana. Uh, We do have an answer from the
0: U.S. Supreme Court. Reading from the ruling now, the Supreme Court has just ruled a moment ago that the Texas abortion providers can sue for the state's ban on abortions, but the justices will allow the law to remain in effect. So that is the major headline there.
1: Right, so basically that means that it was a novel approach, right, to deal with abortion, which is that... It was
0: a novel, it was terrible. It's about suing the provider. Yeah, but the provider wasn't defined. That's what our understanding was, that the provider could be somebody who drives a woman to an abortion clinic. Right, so that, so the a lot of abortions have ended. So, okay, so take this, again, I'm pro-life. I am not pro-abortion at all, okay? But take this and insert, instead of abortion, so the provider of firearms, and that's exactly what Illinois did. Illinois is crafting a law, as we speak, modeled after the Texas law, that would allow you to sue the provider of the firearm in a criminal case. And think about how many cases they'll be brought against the various manufacturers of firearms in the state of Illinois alone, because they can't control their murder rate. They have a crime wave that is unprecedented. So does everybody else. In fact, I've got numbers on Colorados that are pretty daggum scary. Nationally, violent crime in America is up 5% year over year. Do you know how much it's up here in Colorado? Twice the national amount. 10%. 10%. So imagine somebody gets a hold illegally of, say, a Smith & Wesson, and then they sue Smith & Wesson. And that, in turn, makes firearms way more expensive because even though Smith & Wesson is not responsible for what a criminal does with the tool that Smith & Wesson makes, right, I mean, if you're going to say that gun manufacturers are responsible for whatever happens with those guns, you might as well say the same thing of hammer makers and sledgehammer makers and drill makers and saw makers. Anybody that ever gets hurt, injured, beaten up with a baseball bat, Louisville Slugger's got to be sued. You know what I mean? I mean, it's dumb. Because there's far more people killed with baseball bats, by the way, than with rifles. Back to the breaking news, hold Dana. On a second. Uh, on a we second. do have I the wrong button. There we go. In, in Texas, while this is um, under a court order, it could take a while for the court system to hear the challenges mm. of the uh, the abortion provider. So, I, I, I assume that they will consider this a partial victory for them, but the pro-life side has got to be pretty happy and think that they might be able to prevail in court as well and i'll go back to what i was saying before i am pro-life i do not like this law because to me the principles of freedom must always be upheld first and foremost we achieve freedom for newborn babies or unborn babies we achieve it through the principles of freedom not through vigilante justice like this bill sets the precedent for and you know, apply this discussion to, say, free speech. And again, I use this example when we are talking to Eric. But let's say California, and that's the place, Our Oregon or Washington State, I could see them passing a law like this, right, where they say, okay, if you're offended by someone's white privilege or white supremacy, because that's what we say about everyone, or vice versa, right, if you're offended by uh, this group or that group uh, or whatever they say, if you're offended by that, you can sue, let's say, the provider. Let's say you could sue Twitter. Right. Then what is going to be the outcome of that? More censorship, not less. Right. Or what if you could sue the person who actually said it because you were offended and not because you were actually harmed physically in any way? Right. You weren't they weren't talking about you when they said something you disagreed with. But whatever it was that they said offended them and they could sue. What about climate change? Right. Sue the provider. We could sue the provider of fossil fueled cars. Combustion engines. We could sue GM and, and, and all that. And, and then they would have to stop making them because they would have to defend themselves in these court cases. It would be absolute pandemonium. It would be anarchy in a way. It would be chaos. It would be legal chaos. It was a very stupid law, and it threw all those principles out the door in order to achieve one goal. And again, the goal is a laudable goal in my opinion. But like Eric said, once you become the other side, you start using tactics like this, you've lost, right? I mean, the point is to be different than the other side. And if, as we believe, not necessarily someone to the left of the political aisle, we can have conversations with each other left and right. But what's really running the agenda on the far left in America today is not, it's totalitarianism. And they use tactics that involve all kinds of chaos on purpose in order to destabilize systems and then deconstruct them. I mean, that's the goal. That's the goal of critical race theory. It's the goal of a lot of these, the Antifa movement. That is the goal, is to create chaos. It's the goal of wokeism. Wokeism isn't really about race. It's about destabilizing society, upending the order of society, the agreement that Americans made, that all men are created equal in the eyes of God, under the eyes of the law. We all have the same opportunity. you got to upend that so that they can have power and control. They hide behind the shield of it's racism or it's this, it's that, or whatever. But the reality is it's not about race at all. It's about power for a group of elitist leftists who think that they know better how to run your life. And they'll achieve that power through any means possible, which is why we cannot be like them. So there you go. All right, 57739 if you want to text the show directly. 57739 if you want to text the show uh, directly. Let's see. Um <laughs> Someone says the worst Christmas song is whatever song is about three ships. Um, I Saw Three Ships. Is that What is the title of that song? Oh, God, I should know this. Uh, Christmas Song. I Saw. It was I Saw Three Ships. John Rudder did it. Well, there's a bunch of people that did it. I Saw Three Ships. That's one. I don't mind that one, I don't think. Actually, uh, Michael W. Smith does an incredible version of it. Second one is Partridge in a Pear Tree song. Isn't that the uh, 12 Days of Christmas? Right? That's the last thing that you get or the first thing you get. Isn't that right? Am I right, Angie? Help a brother out. No, yeah, yeah, right. So Partridge in a Pear Tree is the first day. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a Partridge in a Pear Tree. The day of Christmas, blah, blah, blah. Or day, fourth day. That is an annoying song. And it's hard to sing, too, right? Because you just get tired of it. I have to say partridge in a pear tree one more time. Uh, let's see. Pete says, I am the connoisseur of Christmas music year round. Whoa. A little much, dude. But Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You and Wham's Last Christmas are off every list. Yes. Last Christmas. Wham. That's another one we got to put in the rotation for today. Uh, Leland, Baby, Please Come Home by You, Too. The Grandma got run over by a reindeer song, says someone else. I hate it. All right, text the show directly, 57739 If you want to jump in the conversation I am Leland Conway Coming up at uh, 3.05 The uh, the inflation problem There's actually an article in the Washington Times Wondering whether or not President Biden just doesn't care anymore And we'll also talk about Colorado's crime numbers Because they're really bad Consider that one the worst or just the most raunchy of them? I mean, I don't know if that one's friendly friendly. You know what I'm saying? I think we can find more <laughs> raunchy ones, but I actually enjoy it. I, it's not a bad song. It's good. Well, BB King did it, didn't he? Didn't BB King do a version of this? He did. Okay, well then it's gotta be that it's gotta be a decent song. Uh text us your worst Christmas songs, five seven, seven, three nine, five seven, seven, three nine. What'd you say yours was again, Angie? It was the um The, um, the Mariah Mariah Carey. Carey. Yeah. That's a lot of people's like you know, hate that song, and yet it makes so much money. Uh, Let's see, Leland, Christmas music has a place in this world, and that is for 36 hours after 5 p.m. on December 24th and December 25th. Any Christmas music played before or after that 36-hour time slot causes my blood pressure to spike and makes me see spots? (laughs) Come on, Bah Humbug, man. Doug says, Leland, all Christmas music. I hate it all. Only because as a kid, my mom would start before Thanksgiving and stop sometime in January. When should the Christmas tree come down, Angie? It should come down after the the first, after New Year's. See, okay, there's a couple different uh, thoughts on this because there's the 12 days of Christmas and some people believe that that should, like, you know, it should be the full period, but then some of those people believe the tree shouldn't go up until the first of the 12 days of Christmas and then it should be up the 12 days uh when did your family put it up when you were growing up?
1: We put it up after Thanksgiving.
0: Okay, yeah. See, that's been a long-standing tradition in my family. It's like Thanksgiving night or the next day would be when the Christmas tree went up. And my my personal opinion is I mean, I live with it until January 1st, but I would prefer it down the day after Christmas. I like I get otherwise I get depressed because then it's over. Like I love Christmas. I freaking love Christmas. It's my favorite holiday of the year, and I love it. But once it's over, I'm like, I'm going to be depressed until like maybe August when I start feeling like, oh, Christmas might be coming around pretty soon again. So I got to get that tree down and get it over with. Just saying. All right. 57739 if you want to text us directly. Coming up in four minutes after the news, Colorado's crime wave is being described by one news station locally as a tsunami